And welcome to another episode of Retro Vaniacs. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Parmentier, here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And uh, this week we took on another listener request, but before we get to this week's game, Billy, what have you been playing since last show? Well, you know, I, I really not much of, uh, not a lot in terms of variety. Uh, I, I have gotten back into Overwatch a little bit. They put out a... Uh, a new character and a little more balancing, and it's it's been a lot of fun. I've stayed away from that competitive mode, uh, and I'm back to enjoying it and back to thinking it is probably one of the best things I have played in recent years. Uh, other than that, getting on there, you know, 10, 15 minutes every night, uh, not a lot. Uh, this game we are reviewing today, uh, and we'll figure out whether it was thankfully or not, is very short. Uh, so I have actually jumped the gun a little bit, and I've been playing the game we are reviewing next time uh, at length, because uh, it is a, a bit of a longer game, and yeah, that's about it for me. Nothing too exciting this time around. It, Doing that whole work thing that they want me to do. Well, that's overrated. I, I, I still haven't gotten into Overwatch. I think I want to, because everybody is playing it, and it does look really good, but now I'm afraid that I've waited so long that I'm going to come in and just get destroyed over and over again, get frustrated, and never play it again. Well, I, I think that it's, I think it's one of those games where it's, it's if you, have you played Team Fortress? Yeah. I've made the comparison uh, many times. I'm usually awful at any, uh, any kind of multiplayer shooter when it comes out. Uh, but I, but I have played so much Team Fortress that pretty much all your experience from there will carry right over. And if you are good at Team Fortress, you upon picking this up, immediately will be good at this. I didn't play as much Team Fortress as I did. Did you ever play Monday Night Combat? I did, I did and I, I really enjoyed it. But for some reason, I recall at the time, my computer just, uh, for some reason, even though it was playing games that you know required more uh, just could not sync up with that one quite right so i didn't get to play a lot but i like the format and i mean it was it was another team fortress 2-esque type game uh yeah i really enjoyed that one i liked it because the the maps and the the achieve you know the goals and the levels were were you know more or less protect points or taking you know taking hold do all these other little little mm-hmm. things that wasn't every game wasn't capture the flag or just kill everybody i mean i, I enjoyed that and i enjoyed that some of the skill classes were more you know, defense and support base, just like Team Fortress 2 and just like this seems to be. I just always know, when any, whenever I get into any of those games, and Monday Night Combat's a great example, when it first came out, I thought I was the king because I pick up on <laughs> games really quick and I get really good at them, really, or I get good at them really quick, but then I never either put the time in or just something doesn't click and I never make it to the level where I'm good at the game. I'm, I'm just acceptable at the game, you know, and I'll find one class or one ability that I really, really have down, but everything else I'm just not good at. Like sniping is something I've never, ever been good at in a game. And it's probably because I have zero patience, but I'm bad at sniping. If there's a game where I have to be the sniper, it's a guaranteed loss. It's not going to happen for me. <laughs> um, as far as what I've been playing since the last show, I actually went on vacation for the first time in three years. Hey. I took a vacation where I did not check my work email. I did not do any work at all. I also didn't bring any games with me other than for the car ride, which was fairly short. It's a two-hour trip to the beach from my house. So I didn't play a whole lot. But what I did do uh, before I left, because I had the day to myself before vacation, is uh, I loaded up Red Dead Redemption again. 
Oh. Because I know it's backwards compatible for the uh, the Xbox One. Not that I have one of those, but everyone was talking about it again. So then I got I got the mode. You know, I want to play another Western, and that's hands down the best Western video game ever. Oh uh, yeah. I've gotten just as far as it takes to open up poker games, and then I spent six <laughs> hours playing fake electronic poker with fake people. There's a zero <laughs> in-game reason to do it except for cash, but you can get more cash just running out for a bounty than you'll ever make playing cards. Yet I played cards for six straight hours because I have some <laughs> sort of a problem. Well, you know, I think it, it's got to be the banter back and forth because uh, I remember that being some of the best. Just all, all these stereotypical Western you know, card, card-playing insults and whatnot. It, what's that? And also that, it, I mean... <sighs> It's like I, I turned all the lights out. I played this in the evening. I had some beer, and I just sat there and played fake cards with fake people all night Till my wife told me I had a problem, and I had to turn it off because we're going on vacation. Uh, and then <laughs> for the car ride, I, I needed to find something to play, and I, I was tired of playing Persona. I mean, I still like Persona, but that's all I've been playing is Persona and Persona-esque games. So uh, the only other games I really have a lot of on Game Boy are, are the Mega Man Collection, which I had played a bunch of and kind of got burned out on. And I started Etrian Odyssey 3 again because that's, that's one of those wizardry-style you know, dungeon crawlers that you, you make your own party and then you're kind of just thrown into the wild to, to die. And that, that's another one that I, I, I've played Etrian Odyssey 4 and finished that, and I started the remakes of, of the first one. And those are, are definitely more advanced and more friendly to start out with. This one, I had forgotten how just blunt it is. You start out in the beginning and it's, it's just like, well, if you didn't build your party right and you didn't do this thing, you're going to die horribly before you leave the first floor. And it's kind of nice to, to have a game that's punishing, but but does it still makes sense? It's punishing because I'm not thinking things through. It's not punishing because of some cheap gameplay mechanic. Yeah, you know, I would rather have a game like that where you will immediately pay the consequences for making a terrible character than making it three fourths of the way through the game and then it really starts punishing you uh, for for making some really stupid decisions with your character build. So. I, I would take that any day yeah, a, over a, over getting most of the way through the game and being like, oh, shit, I've done this really wrong. Pretty much every game of Dark Souls I've ever played. Well, th- yeah. this, this unfortunately kind of has a two-tiered, you know, fuck you system. The first one's the beginning. If you don't do it right at the beginning, you're going to die. So if you don't have a healer, you're not going to get very far. And there's only one healer class uh, other than just having bandages after fights. So you're going to have to put a monk in your class or in your group or you're not going to make it off the first floor without... I mean, really just knowing the game well enough to get by. But later on in the game, there's you know, always an extra dungeon of some sort in all those games. You, you can beat the story mode, and then there's a, an extra tough dungeon. And that's the level where if you didn't build your party to really, really be effective, you can't finish it. So you've either got to go back, and you can pay something, I think, at some point to, uh, to reallocate all your skills in case you just don't want to rebuild it. Or if you were like me on my first playthrough and you, you made a class of five people and never, ever changed it, uh, there are other classes that make it way easier or are actually required to finish that dungeon, and I didn't have them. So I'm, I'm going back now and trying to make sure I have at least one of every class on my rolls and I keep switching characters out. It's, uh, it's pretty great. But Jeremy, what have you been playing since last show? Well, I'm not going to talk about The Witcher 3. <laughs> Believe it or not, I played a different game this time, hey. and I don't know if you uh, you guys have have heard of it, but it is <laughs> the Witcher Inside. Two. <laughs> <laughs> the Witcher Two, yes, uh, it's called Inside. You guys uh, now heard I have, about this? I one? have heard of this one. Uh, this is from the people that made that that Limbo game. Is that correct? Yes, which was which was an outstanding game. Well, see, I was like one of the three people that just did not enjoy Limbo at all. Like, I like the aesthetic of it. 
but I hated the gameplay. I just did not enjoy it at all. And it didn't help that, that everyone was just really shitty at me for not liking it. They're like, how, how could you not like this game? It's a, it's a modern masterpiece. It's like, I just don't. I don't know. It just it doesn't click with me. And I, I didn't really enjoy the puzzles or anything like that. And so that's kind of why I wasn't super excited about Inside when it came out originally on, on Xbox One a few weeks ago. And it's, it's out on PC now as well. So I grabbed it on PC because I had some Steam credit and uh, just to try it out because the game, you know, from the screenshots, it, it looks a lot better than Limbo. This has uh, it's fully 3D or, or, you know, modeled in 3D and looks gorgeous. It still kind of has that really dark aesthetic of uh, of Limbo, but this time it's it, it's up a level. But it really surprised me because this is much more like an out-of-this-world or flashback game instead of the super puzzle-centric uh, nature of, of Limbo. Um, this one definitely does have puzzles in it, but there's just a, a more of a more of that kind of old-school flashback, out-of-this-world feel to it than, than what Limbo ever had. And that little bit of, of that, that old feel like that has drawn me far more into this game than I ever did with Limbo. And also, I think the puzzles itself, they're, they're much more interesting resting this time around uh most of them actually focus on controlling other people or they're not really people i guess they're like um i don't even know what to really call them i haven't beat the game yet so i'm not sure what's going on <laughs> but as you get start getting into the game you'll find these little um head pieces that you can stick your head into uh you, your character can stick their head into and in the background one or more of these kind of human like things will come alive and then you control them using your your actual movements that you would with your character but your character is staying stationary so you cannot move you can just uh, you are now in control of those things back there and so you need to actually move them around and do things that your character cannot where he's standing so this leads into a big old thing where you're actually you know you you've got your character hung up on one thing controlling another guy who has to get to another head thing where you can put him into it so you can go to another one uh, with another character and, and finish the puzzle. And it, it sounds kind of crazy, but the game does such a great job of, of letting you know what you need to do for the most part that I, I really, really enjoy uh, just every single puzzle that comes up because it just feels like there's going to be some, some new and, and unique way of solving the puzzle instead of just here's some more um, physics-based puzzles that you need to fucking drag a box to. So I I think uh you know if you if you like Limbo and you really like the out of this world and flashback back in the day I think that's this is a perfect combination of those two games. All right. Well, a game that is nothing like Limbo or uh, or apparently the game Inside is this week's game a listener request Kendo Rage for the Super Nintendo. Now, this was a listener request. I don't remember who it was that requested it. This was actually requested to us by David R. McKenzie on our Facebook page. And uh, this was apparently one of those games that he rented a lot as a kid. In fact, he, he quoted us as, you know, when we were like, hey, you know, we, we had to rent this game a lot because nothing else was in. So we just kind of grew to like it. 
he said this was one of his games, uh, one of those games for him since his video store only had like this and Hook and a few other shooter style games that, uh, that you know, I guess he wasn't into. So he rented Kendo Rage a lot. I mean, I can I can definitely feel that. There's definitely games that I rented over and over again, especially on Nintendo, because the, the, when I lived in Southern Virginia, it was a, a mom-and-pop video store. They probably only had 10 or 15 games to rent, and I had most of them already. So I rented, uh, I think I've already mentioned this before, but it was uh, Xenophobe, because it was the only game that they had. It was two-player, and, uh, and I didn't own it. And it's not a very good game. I mean, I know it's an arcade game, so it's not going to be a long and involved game, but it's still probably... You got five minutes of entertainment before you were done with that, and yet I rented it probably fifty times. So I, I can understand renting a bad game and therefore, kind of, kind of being into it. Um, I, I know we've all talked about bad rentals before. Um, I don't know if I would have rented this more than once, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everybody's got their own specific taste. People tell me that General Chaos is a bad game. I don't believe them, but uh, I rented General Chaos a, a ton back when I was a kid. That was always one of my go-to games, along with like Turtles in Time. But uh, I don't know. I, I for me, uh, Ken, Kendo Rage <laughs> would have not been a, a repeat rental. Uh, you may he may have been better off with Hook. I, 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 I messaged him. I actually asked him. I was like, you know, is there any reason why you wanted to uh, you kept renting this game and? Uh, you know, he answered back and told me, and I was just like, "Man, Hook was a really good game. You should just go with that game. That's that's not too bad. It's way better than Kendo Rage, anyway." And I think we've we finally found someone with a more traumatic video game childhood than than Jeremy P. Oh, that's rude. <laughs> that is rude. Probably true if this was the only thing he rented, but uh, but I don't think my choices are that bad. But Kendo Rage came out in 1993 for the Super Nintendo. It is. Uh, Clearly, when you turn it on three seconds in, you'll determine that this is probably a very Japanese game, and it is. It's a, a game in Japan called Makaruna Makendo, and I'm probably saying that very wrong, but I don't care, uh, which translates to Do Not Lose Kendo Magic. Uh, the story for Kendo Rage is that you play as Joe, a girl who's super into Kendo from the United States, so your parents send you to train with uh, some master Kendo guy who calls himself Bob. He has bright green hair, and as soon as you land, he sends you to the mountains and then says you have to help him fight demons, and that is the entire story of Kendo Rage. There's not, nothing else at all involved. You don't know exactly why you're fighting, who you're fighting. Uh, for example, the the last boss when you get to him, you figure in a normal game you'd know why you're fighting this guy or who he is, but there is no reason to be fighting this person. He's just the last person you fight before you get to the end goal, which is, of course, to get to school on time. The story of Kendo Rage is to fight demons on the way to school uh, from this mountain that you were sent to all the way back into the city to go to school. Um, <laughs> it's a 2D action game. It's a side-scroller, um, very much like the Valis series on TurboGrafx. Jeremy had mentioned that last week, and he's dead on. It is exactly like the Valis games, uh, which means you have a sword, you have a, a series of powers that you use as your power bar charges up. Uh, but unlike having magic points or having it take part of your health to do your standard magic attack, your your magic attack will build up, and if you, you swing your sword before the magic attack, it resets and does a normal ch- attack, or you can let your attack charge up, essentially, and you'll shoot fire or some sort of beam out of the front of your sword, um, to, to fight everything. The only other attack you have in the game is like a charge that runs your character across the screen. does a, a whole bunch of damage to the enemies, but every time you do it, you lose a chunk of your own life. And this game is very unforgiving on how much life things take when you get hit. I don't know. Uh, it, it, when I first turned it on, I was shocked at how quickly I died. Uh, I don't know if anyone else had that same experience. 
yeah, you. This is definitely one of those games where you have a power bar, but it seems like you die within three hits. With no matter what hits you, you're going. It's going to take an entire fourth of of your health bar with it. Let's go through the game since it's a short game. Uh, Billy had mentioned that earlier. This game you can beat in probably half an hour or less. I mean, if you really knew what you were doing, you could probably fly through this game in 15, 20 minutes. Each level has, um, you know, a pretty direct path from start to finish. There's not any mazes in this. It's pretty much straightforward. Um, the most the most involved places is the there's a level where you're kind of on a construction site and you just have to figure out one piece. The rest of it is, you know, start at point A, run through the level, get to point B, fight a boss, the end of the level. So you'll, you'll start the game, of course, in the, the mountains where you start. Uh, and it's literally just go da- up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, and to the end where you fight a boss who's like a little goofy, chubby anime version of you. And that's when I realized, what game are we playing? What, what exactly is going on? <laughs> she basically says, no one will know I'm not the real you or something like that. And then you fight this giant anime version of you. This is also <laughs> where the game kind of, at least for me, I found... These levels all worked the same way for me, which is I would be patient enough through the level to make sure that I, when I got to a boss, I had at least two lives. You only start with two lives at the start of the game, and, and when you die, thankfully, you don't go back to the beginning of the level, but you get you kind of respawn right where you are. Anything you've already done damage to a boss is already done still. You don't, you don't restart the boss fight. So you can hammer your way through any boss. You don't have to learn any finesse. You just stand in front of them and swing your sword like an idiot until you, you beat them. And that's what I did pretty much for every boss, but especially this first boss, because she really doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, did anyone bother to take the time to learn these, these boss fights at the beginning? Oh, no. Not I, at the beginning, no. I, I think uh, it wasn't really until you know, much further on that, I, that I, I tried to actually learn and get the patterns down. And unfortunately, and we'll get into you know, the later bosses as we go along, some, there, it's another one of those where you just there's such an awful long wait to get your shot in, uh, which I hate. But no, early, this early on, I tried to see how much of the game I could get through uh, just by just by tapping buttons. Because I I'll I'll put an end to all illusion. I was I checked out probably about two or three minutes in. Uh, <laughs> it, it be, I it, I just turned it just my my flight or uh, my uh, fight or flight kicked in, and I knew getting through this one was just a matter of survival. So I just tried to push through. Well, it's not a very involved game, even with the, the, you know, other than trying to dodge shots, which any action game or any shooter is really just trying to dodge shots while you do some damage. That's all this is. So there's not there's not a lot of strategy. And and I actually find the way that this game determines what attack you're going to use for your magic attack is uh, the way you get your power ups, I think, is one of the most annoying ways to determine what your power up will be ever. So occasionally while you're in the level, I don't know what it's supposed to be. It looks like a, a slug holding a ball. It will fly across the screen, and the ball keeps changing colors very slowly, but it still changes colors from yellow to red to blue to, I think, green's the other color. And it'll keep rotating through, and eventually if you hit that slug, whatever color the ball was will be your attack. So red is a fire shot that goes forward. Blue is like an energy shot. Green is this thing that makes your um, your attacks... It almost like looks like you do a super fast, you know, hundred hand slap, but you know, poorly, poorly animated uh, with your kendo stick. And the yellow one, I couldn't figure out exactly what it was because I didn't read the manual because I'm an idiot. Uh, the yellow, uh, the yellow ball is actually the most important ball you'll get in the entire game uh, because yep. it gives you a one hit shield uh, and it stacks. So if you manage to not get hit in between the times you see these slugs, you can stack up, you know, up to I think ten shields 
that will transfer over to the next level. They're there until you use them up. That If I would have known that starting this game, I probably would have never hit anything but yellow. Because you, I think you start with blue, like the, the energy shot forward, and that's good enough. You don't need to get the other attacks. They really don't seem to make a difference. Yeah, uh, I just I, I I didn't have any idea about this either until much later on, and I got pretty frustrated. And I looked up a video of someone playing through, and yeah, they were stacking. They only got these yellow, the yellow, and, and you know they were stacking them up. And you know when when you get the yellow, you would imagine a lot of times in games, you know the anything that's a shield type, just kind of t- a game like this, it kind of takes a backseat to something that looks like it's putting out a lot more firepower. So yeah, I always went for the weapons when in all honesty, like Jeremy P said, you know, the the attacks you have are really all you need throughout. So yeah, stacking up that shield becomes in very important cuz you're going to take a lot of hits. And speaking of when you take a lot of hits, you're going to take a lot of flying back from those hits. This game, you know, I th- I think Castlevania has gotten a uh, has gotten a hard time about the knockback when you get hit on there. It's nothing like this one. You're you're sent back an entire football field. <laughs> well, it, it is. It's an it's a lot of knockback. I mean, as much as Castlevania's knockback is frustrating because the game is already so hard, and you die if you fall into any pit ever in that game. The the knockback here doesn't seem to be consistent. Castlevania's knockback is the same. You always go back the same exact distance when you're hit, so you can kind of plan for it. It's hard sometimes, but you can plan for it. This game, it seemed you know I could do about the same thing every time, and my knockback would be you know, an inch or all the way across the screen or who knows. It was just a random amount of knockback, at least as far as I could tell. I did want to want to mention this. Go back just a, a second for that shield uh, move. That is not only the the best thing in the game because it gives you that shield, but because your your special power that you get the other things your psi move or whatever it is takes so long to charge up that it's almost worthless. I mean, if it charged up maybe like twice as quick as it does in the actual game, it would be useful. But this thing takes like a full on like 10 seconds or more to charge up completely. And in a game like this where it's just tossing kind of shit at you all, all through the entire stage, you just don't have time to charge that thing up. And I, maybe you're supposed to use it for bosses. I don't know. But I never found a spot in that game where using those special abilities made any sense at all. So the shield is by far the best thing in the game because it's the only useful thing, um, useful power up in the entire game as far as I'm concerned. Well, other than the attacks, the things you pick up, because every game like this will have pickups, um, you get an extra life, which is your own head. That's pretty self-explanatory. You have rice bowls and teriyaki sticks that heal you, uh, most of the time fully, but I think the teriyaki sticks technically only do half your life, but since you only get you know, killed in three hits most of the time. Hopefully it's most of your life that gets filled when you eat one of those. And then the, the only other pickup was a stopwatch. Now, I figured in every game where there's a, 
a stopwatch, it means it stops the enemies. It even does a countdown where it shows that it's stopping everything. But no, no, it doesn't stop the enemies at all. What it stops is the clock in the upper left corner of the game, which I don't know if you guys knew this, but there's actually a deadline on the entire game. If you don't get from the start of the game in the mountains to the very end of the game, by the time that game clock shows 9 a.m., then you get the bad ending. Oh, my God, I never figured that out. <laughs> so if you're going to take your time and be extremely patient through the levels and, and try to you know map everything out, if you think there's hidden secrets in there, and there may be because I didn't take the time to look into it, uh, but without just running through the level, getting the boss, being the boss, going to the next level, it's not a hard time to meet. I mean, it, it, I wasn't trying to meet that time, and I would have easily beaten it. I'm sure you did, uh, anyone who finished this game. But if you get the if you get to the very end and it's after 9 o'clock, then... You haven't made it to school on time, and the ending shows you being very upset that you did not get to school on time. The end. So those stopwatches, all they do is give you extra time to meet that overall goal. But I didn't know that, so I thought the first time I got one was like, great, it's going to stop all the enemies. And so I just charge forward like an idiot and get hit like ten times. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I did. I I had no clue. I was like, why isn't this stopping anything? Because, I mean, it literally says time stop when you get it. And and I had no clue the the whole, you know, timer or anything about that. So I was just like, what, what's going on? Why, why doesn't this work? Why is this game not following the rules of, of video games? But yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. And, well, and the other thing is I did go back to read the manual when I got to the end of this game. I thought, okay, let me, let me read the manual at least to check it out. It's not going to be long. It's a Super Nintendo manual. It'll take me three minutes to read it. And they don't mention that necessarily at all. I mean, it's, it's part of the story that, that you have to get Joe to school on time, but it doesn't really say, hey, beat the game by nine or, or you lose. And essentially that happens. So if you did have the patience to get through this whole game, and we'll get into the later parts of the game shortly, uh, and you got that ending, I would probably have ripped that, that uh, whole cartridge in half. Somehow I'd have been superhuman and just broken the Super Nintendo cartridge in half with my bare hands. I got the good ending, and I didn't even realize that I got a, a good ending. So that, that's really crazy. I mean, it counts up. The, the counter clock, cl- it counts up. I, I guess that makes sense in the term that, you know, time is going forward. But if you've got a time limit in any game, shouldn't that, it, it should be going down. Right. Or at least give you yeah. a warning or something like, hey, every hour, you know, it's one more hour to school or something. But nope, it, does, it says nothing. You just oh, have to get to Tendo the end. Rage, and it's like, what are you doing? I, I knew this clock existed. Yeah. <laughs> I played through a wildfire and noticed this clock at the top. But yeah, I just the entire time. And I guess I got the good ending. The good ending's not good. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not a great ending, but at least it's not you crying was, because you didn't it, get to school on time. It, it was good that it ended. <laughs> so, I have to say, yeah, this clock was up here the entire time, and I just, I, I had no clue. I had no clue until just now. Uh, like I said, what, I had to, what to look into it. this thing serve? Yeah, it was not very clear, and, I, and I'm glad I could figure it out. Just to share it with anyone who's going to run out today and find a copy of Kendo Rage. Uh, so you'll get through the first level in the mountains. Uh, then the second level is probably one of the most annoying snow levels I've ever played. Mm. Um, uh, not only are there ice parts where you slide around, because that's a, a guarantee of a bad platformer, yeah. but there, the other parts of the level have snow and your character slowly sinks. Now, I don't think you can sink and die, but it does make it so I guess you run a little bit slower or you can't jump as high. I don't even know if it has a purpose other than to look neat, but it uh, it definitely made it, I don't know, I found that, that whole snow level to also be the first time that Creatures would appear right in front of me at random, which yep. is a thing I hate in platformers and in any game really, but especially in a game which which has not you know has knockback for things to just appear in front of you mid jump is infuriating. You know, I'll say I was on board 
with with Kendo Rage for that first stage. I you know I I, I knew it wasn't the greatest game ever, but playing through that first stage, I was like, you know, I could maybe get behind this. It's got this wacky kind of Spike McFang feel to it with with the humor and and the characters and things like that, and I, I could I could probably get behind that if it kept like that. But then that that snow stage came up immediately after, and like Billy, I checked out almost yeah. as soon as it started because sinking in that snow and then every time you would have to jump out of the snow, an enemy would appear one inch in front of your face and hit you every single time. And I don't know if the game is doing that on purpose or not, but it is an asshole move regardless. And uh, after that, you start getting into the little section where you start sliding on the ice, these little platforms. I'm pretty sure it's the only part of the stage that has this. It took me, I swear to God, five minutes to climb this fucking little ice platform part. And when I finally did it, I did it immediately. I don't know what the fuck I was doing wrong, but every single time I would try to jump, her inertia on those little ice platforms were so terrible that I could not fucking time it at all. And I was just, I was ready to turn it off right there. Yeah, and, and I've, got a, I've got a second what Jeremy said. You know, you play through the first stage and... You know, it's it's not great, but it's harmless. Uh, and yeah, if the, if the rest of the game follows suit, uh, it's not going to be a game you come back to. But it's a game you're not miserable playing. But this second stage, yeah, this it's when this game, you know, the mask comes off. It, it shows they show their hand after this. It's it's so many of the annoying, bad platformer cliches. Uh, the you know the snow where you sink and, and your movement slowed. The enemies popping out out of nowhere, sliding around on ice, and they pack all of this into just one level, and it's it's just too much. And I, it immediately took me out. It, it took me out of the game, and I I knew at that point, you know, kind of what you're in for for the rest of the game. Well, don't worry because if you didn't like that snow stage, which Jeremy calls the worst snow stage he's ever played. One of them. I will say the worst water stage I have ever played comes up immediately after that. Oh. And it's just like, well, let's just see how, how far this can keep falling. Yeah, the water level is the third level. So you get through the second level and, and you fight the Ice Queen at the end. No big deal there. That's a pretty easy fight. Uh, but again, it's another like you just run up and hit it as hard as you can with your sword. And, and as long as you have an extra life or two, you'll, you'll beat her no problem. So then, yeah. yeah, then the water level is next. I actually didn't hate the water level once I realized how to swim, which is just hit jump a bunch. But for some reason, it didn't click to me. <laughs> Uh, but but I like what I liked about the water level is at least the last boss was different. It wasn't uh, some anime you know witch character who's, who you just have to run up and charge. It was three separate fish that have three different patterns. I found it to be fairly easy to to kind of dodge it, but it still took a little bit of skill. But at least it was a different boss. I have to I have to at least say I enjoyed that part of the stage. I think this is the first boss where you actually have you can't just go in and swing your sword and, and hope for the best. Uh, you've actually got to learn some patterns with that with those and uh even after you beat like one of the fish there's three fish and each one of them have their own you know we you kill one you don't kill them all just the, the one fish drops off and after you kill one of the fish uh the other two will actually have different patterns so not only do you have to kind of learn it with uh you know when when they're doing it with all three and then, then you have to kind of figure out what what they're going to do when after you take one or two of them out yeah, and I, I I thought this boss fight it was it was well done. Uh, it was yeah, a nice change of pace after you know after the first two you just kind of assume okay, this is all the bosses. I'm just gonna go in, 
swing. And that's it. It was nice to have to kind of observe. It, it's not a difficult boss. It's not a, a punishing boss. I, I still got through it my, my first time around. Um, but yeah, you had, to, you had to step back for a minute and just kind of observe the patterns and all that. And moreover, I think this marks the, the one time in the podcast where all three gonna going to praise something from this game. <laughs> the nice fish boss there on the third level. Right. I have to actually say, after playing that boss... The rest of them I actually thought a little more about. And I, I even think the first boss, when, uh, when we get to the last level, uh, of course, there's some sort of boss rush, because why wouldn't there be? It's, every game has that uh, from this time frame. But then I realized all the bosses actually aren't bad. If you, if you took the time to watch what they did and, and try to learn them, they're, they're actually not terrible bosses. Some of them are hard. But but they're at least interesting. They do have different attacks. Some of them, their attacks change depending on how much damage you've done to them. I mean, they actually put time into the bosses, but it looks like nothing else in this game necessarily. I mean, they, they hit all their buttons for making sure we have a level from each type of level that you'd want in a game like this. But uh, but other than that, not, not too exciting. Uh, we didn't really bring this up before, but it comes up... Uh, in the ice level more, I think, than anywhere else. This has a very J.J. and Jeff feel for the kind of enemies that you're going to, to fight. There's there's bears that appear there for no reason. There's, like, a guy with a microphone who sings that, at you as an attack. I mean, they're definitely, like, goofy, jokey kind of characters throughout the game to the point where I was sure this had to be based on some property we didn't know in the United States. Like, it was based on a show or a game show or something weird that we didn't know. Uh, but it turns out, no, it's just a parody of other action games like this, which is which is fine, but... It's the kind of thing I just, I swore while, we're, while I was playing this, like, there's got to be a story to this that I don't know that makes this make a lot more sense. Because otherwise, it's, it's just this weird, bizarre side-scroller as far as what they choose to be in it uh, that has some okay bosses and, and fairly subpar everything else. Let me, let me not jump ahead too far. So after the pond uh, water level, then you go to uh, a, a construction site level that is the only level in the game where there's actually a thing you need to do to advance other than just walk to the side and hit things. Did anyone have a problem finding that, that launcher that shoots you to the other half of the stage? Yes, I sat oh, yeah. <laughs> over there. I kept jumping to the, the right side where the uh, power-up is, but that's not where you need to go. So I was just like, what, do, what am I doing wrong here? And uh, I finally, just by accident, just wandered over there to that. It, it's a, you know, a thing that shoots you, like you said, across the level. And I was like, oh, well, you know, what, what did this game do before to, to ever make me want to look for something like this to know that this was going to happen? It's, just, it's a one-off thing, but here it is. Yeah, and I had the same. I, I stumbled around this level uh, you know, for a while, just kind of lost, un- unsure of what to do. Because, yeah, this is not... Uh, you're not seeking something like this out in the other levels. You're just, you know, pressing to the right and you, you keep moving along. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly frustrating. And it's not one of those things where I felt foolish afterwards. Uh, like, oh, that's, that's obvious. Because it's not. I mean, there's nothing obvious about it. It's not set up, uh, you know. And so, But I stopped asking questions about this game at this point in time, I believe. <laughs> Well, the, I, I, I just uh, nothing. I think at this point, nothing would nothing would surprise me. 
Well, the, this is one of the levels that has a mini-boss, like a mid-boss to the game. It's a stamping machine that essentially shoots enemies at you as it stamps them out. But I think this is a perfect example of how this game is not... It wasn't thought out as well as the bosses were for the rest of the level. So for this, I don't know if you guys did this on this this fight, but all you have to do is stand right in front of it and swing your sword over and over and over again as fast as you can, and nothing can possibly spawn that would hurt you. So you're, you're just sitting there. I mean, I can tell that they thought this was a great idea for a mid-boss, but there's no strategy to it. You literally just stand in front of it and swing your sword over and over and over and over again, and eventually you'll, you'll hit enough times to destroy it. I mean, there's no thought at all, and I think that's how most of the game outside of those bosses feels. Yeah, if they put... Whatever effort they put into Kendo Rage, it all went into those bosses. And they, of course, seem very proud of their bosses with the, what, the boss rush that's going to be coming up in the last <laughs> stage. But everything else just kind of seems to, to, like, they put in there just to be a goof or something. You know, like, let's, let's make this thing. This thing's really weird and just throw it in there. Don't give it any sort of strategy. You know, the player will figure it out. Uh, but yeah, the, everything else in this game just it does not have the kind of thought put into it that the bosses do. So the, the boss for this level is a transforming tank robot that actually is pretty cool. It has a number of different attacks. It definitely changes up what it does as it takes more and more damage. Uh, that's one of those bosses I, I really liked, even though I have a problem somehow beating it without getting hit. But at least it was interesting. I like the different attacks that it has. Uh, after that level, uh, and I'll just go through the levels real quick because I want to get to the last level. Uh, but the, the next two levels are kind of straightforward um, side-scrolling levels. One is where you go through a train uh, to get to uh, another train stop on the way to school. At the end of that, for whatever reason, you fight a giant owl. Uh, that's an annoying boss, but at least I, I found that one to be pretty easy. Uh, and we'll get to the, all these bosses again in the boss rush real quick. And, and then you go through a level that's entirely sports theme. I guess on the way to school, you run through the athletic fields. And so you fight uh, some soccer players, you fight, uh, <laughs> you fight a volleyball player or, two, uh, or three, and then you, you fight the last boss of that level, who essentially is also playing volleyball with you, uh, but with energy balls. That's another boss that I, I thought, hey, that's a pretty interesting idea. I've played it before in other games where you have to hit their attack back and forth a bunch. But at least, again, you, it was a well-put-together boss fight and, and well done. Uh, yeah, so, I, w- I, was, I, was, uh, I got really bored during that boss fight, the, uh, the tennis one. And I was, I was going to come in here and shit on that one. But then I recall I love doing that in Zelda, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been done before. I think the problem with this one is, it, is it's not as... It, first off, it's too, too long. You have to do it, a, it way too many times. It's also not taking place in a good game well that, that's true Probably the trouble. <laughs> that does help the uh, environment <laughs> does help uh so then the very last level is is the school you go through and fight every on nothing except for every boss you've already fought oh, on wow. the way to the school and then once you've beaten all those bosses you fight a new last boss which again is never listed anywhere there's no explanation as to who this person is or why they're stopping you from going to school uh, and then if you manage to beat that boss, which of course will have several forms, uh, you get to the end. And again, as long as you do it by that 9 o'clock time limit that's shown in the upper left corner of the game, you'll get the good ending, which is essentially, hey, you did a great job. I'm not going to trust a guy with green hair or something ridiculous. But that, the boss rush itself, this is where I got in the game. And I gave it probably five or six tries. And I got to the owl boss several times and that's where I lost my last life and I thought you know what I I have seen what this game has to offer except for the last boss Uh, and once I found out that Jeremy had finished this I went ahead and said I'm just going to watch a video and as long as one of us beat it we can talk about it (laughs) because I I cannot stand (laughs) boss rushes it's it's one of the things and I'm a guy who just played through the first six Mega Man which always (laughs) has a boss rush but 
The difference is the Mega Man bosses are kind of designed so once you have all the other items, you can blow through those bosses. That you have a new thing that will hurt them more than whatever you probably had at that time. You don't have that in this game. You've still got the same garbage three possible magic attacks, and you know hopefully you have a bunch of shields saved up unless you are me and didn't know what they did by this point. So even with save states, where I was able to save after every boss on my best attempt, I still only got to the owl, uh, so I never got to face the volleyball person again or the last boss. But I've seen enough. And, I, and if I had to do this with a cartridge, especially a rental, there is no chance I would have ever finished this game, ever. No, and, and I started this stage, and as soon as I saw you know, that first boss, that, that fat Joe on there, my heart sank. I knew what was coming. I knew it was going to be a boss roll call it was coming up and yeah you defeat them and then you know the ice queen or whatever comes out and just i hate it it's one of my most hated things in these sides and and yes and mega man it's different uh by that time i mean you're beating the bosses there four or five hits it's not a big deal and at least in other games they kind of have the courtesy of giving you sort of watered down less powerful versions of those bosses, but no, these are the full boss fights you've already gone through, and now you're having to do them again. And you know you're not getting the the lengthy stages in between to hope hopefully pick up you know more power ups and, and all that. Uh, and yeah, and then that last boss, which oh, uh, I think I finished this game also. Uh, Jeremy was the first one to to fall on the sword, and I was just gonna let him. Let him do that, and I also was going to be content. But I said, well, I'm right here. Uh, I'm playing the, the owl. I'll, I'll just finish up. And the last boss has a few forms of his own. And he has one form in particular. It's the second one. It's not even the last one. It's the second one. And it is probably, on the Super Nintendo, one of the more difficult things I've ever had to get through. Uh, Jeremy, did you, did you breeze through this, or were you also stuck on this form? No, I had to. Uh, I had to actually play through the entire game again once I realized that this was uh, oh, a sorry. boss rush. Yeah, I did this. I literally <laughs> oh, because no. you oh. can't beat this stage if you don't come into it knowing like you. you know, if you don't start stocking up on shields, uh, which I didn't before because I didn't know what the fuck they were um, until the last stage and how important they were. And you also need you know continues and and lives to to get through this. So if I was just treating the game like, okay, you know, I'm, this is just a standard game. I'm going to go through this. I, you know, I've done well enough just kind of doing a, a battle of attrition through this. I'm, I'm going to win because I have more lives. And uh, the stages themselves aren't very hard. It's just the bosses. So I got to that last, uh, that last level thinking it was just going to continue that way. No, it's a fucking boss rush. Every single boss. And like Billy said, they are all just as hard as they were. And they take just as much energy or health. They have just as much energy as they did before, so you've you've really got to be on your game and have things stocked up really well before you get there to have a chance. So I went back, played through this entire game again. It doesn't take long. I mean, it's it's about a fifteen minute long game anyway. Got there, had a had a decent amount of shields, decent amount of lives. Um, made my way through the bosses. I, I had a few that I could get through without getting hit. At that point, I had memorized them. The other ones, you know, I could just deal with. I uh, got to the last boss and beat him fairly handily. I, I Just that first, uh, the, the form that he has. So I was like, wow, that was way easy. So then he went to his second form. I was like, oh, God, it's going to be one of these fuckers, isn't it? And this second form, 
is one of the most annoying things I have probably ever played for a boss. He essentially gets on the side of the wall, extends his arms out to where they one is on the uh, the underneath you and one is on the top of you, basically making a tunnel for you to stand in. And he starts from his arms, spikes grow out at random place. I don't know. There, there might it might not be random. It seemed random to me. <laughs> And they will hit you every single time they come out. There, I, I tried to avoid them. I tried to figure out a pattern. No, you, you just, I just had to sit there and just try to jam on the attack button as fast as possible and hope I could get through this. And eventually, I did, but I, I lost all, all of my lives, all of my shields in the process on this one thing. And at that point, I was like, if I have to do this again. I'm not going to beat this game. But thankfully, his last form, uh, which was, uh, I think, his cape comes off and turns into a a bat or something, that one wasn't too bad. So I got through that. I think I had one life left and and beat the game, and that was enough for me. (laughs) I don't want to play Kendo Rage anymore. I can safely say that. Good ending or not, um, yeah, I I feel for anyone that, that really had to go through that and, and have to deal with that because man, that one, that is a really, really rough boss rush and it just comes out of nowhere. It, it does. And, and the other thing is, you know, I talked earlier about how all my strategy for most of these bosses was to run up to them and just, you know, by attrition win. And if you do that, this is where the game punishes you for playing that way. You'll get yeah. all the way to the end, especially without save states or any way you can go back because there's no passwords or saves on this, on the cart. It's just a straight through cause it's so short and it should be, but, uh, yeah, you get to the end here, you, you got one or two lives left. You only get five continues or four continues total. If you do that, it goes back to the very beginning of the game and starts you over again. So you, you'd get all the way to this boss rush and realize, oh no, I have not learned how to properly play this game the way the game wants me to. And then to get to that second boss form, which I watched the YouTube video, and there, the one I saw, which was a speed run, the guy gets to it. He's clearly good at this game. He's got like nine lives and ten, nine or ten of those yellow shields. Uh, and he, ha- he lost every one of his shields on that battle. He seemed to find a place to stand that he was only getting hit maybe every three times you think he would get hit. But even with that, he still lost all of his shields and no lives on, the, on that boss. And that, that's a guy who clearly knows this game enough to speed run it. It's... it's that looked like that would have been a point. If I would have gotten there, there's no way I would have played this anymore. I would have angrily turned this game off again uh, and, and just quit forever. I, I, that second form is harder than anything else that was in the game. By far. By far. So if, if you manage to like this game and play this game, uh, apparently it was a success enough in Japan. Here there was only one Kendo Rage. There are no sequels. Uh, it's just its own thing. They actually made two other games. There's Macaruna Makendo 2, which is a fighting game for the PlayStation uh, and the Super Nintendo. I mean, like a Street Fighter-style fighting game as opposed to a side-scrolling action game. The main oh. character of that game uh, is a different person than this game. Uh, and so to, in order to explain that and to expand on the universe, uh, there is a Macaruna Makendo OAV you can watch. Uh, it's, it's very short. I watched it online yesterday just to kind of to figure out what happened. to the. Uh, it's not very good. It's, it's some pretty garbagey um, anime that, that has a nonsense story. But, uh, but it does explain that the girl from the second game is the sister of the girl from this game. And somehow they're both in Japan learning kendo. It doesn't matter. But it ties in the second game. And then somehow that game and the first game were popular enough to have a PCFX only role-playing game come out later. Macaruna oh, wow. Makendo Z. And that role-playing game looks 
pretty bad. It looks like every terrible slap together you know rpg maker kind of rpg but based on this game and so of course you're fighting demons in your school uh which is actually like every game i currently like but uh <laughs> but but it does not look as good of a game it's a top-down kind of cartoony rpg and and being on the pcfx it clearly never made it here because we never got that system it had to have been popular somewhere that that's what amazed me is it wasn't based on an anime it was there was one that came out after it but it, it this was its own thing that was a parody of other games i'm guessing the valis series and and some other games like it. Uh, I'm amazed that someone played this enough to remember it to recommend it to us. Like this yeah. game was not noteworthy. I mean, we were talking about that this being like a, a parody of other games. Like um, this almost seems like a parody of a Turbo Graphics game. And me mentioning that this was like Valis, I almost felt bad when I started playing. I was like, man, Valis is way better than this. And uh, just just everything about this game is like a weird Turbo Graphics game. Even you know, you mentioned JJ and, and Jeff earlier. The credits, when you beat the game, has a cast roll call that is the exact same roll call that JJ and Jeff did at the end of their game. Um, this just seems like it got made on the wrong console or something. You know, it seems like it might be more at home on something like the, the Turbo Graphics. Um, but overall, I mean, David, I'm sorry, man. This is, <laughs> this is kind of a really bad game, and I, I really feel for you that you had to keep renting this over time because this one uh this one just about did me in yeah but i'm and i do have to say i really appreciate the uh you know the the request i think we're always excited to to entertain those um we may have to whew, we may have to put some quality control down after this one but, <laughs> um, but yeah but uh i mean it, it's nice to play something that you know none of us are know anything about um would have been even nicer if it was a half decent game, but yeah, um, man, you you should have should have stuck with Hook. Well, should have. I hate to say this because I did not enjoy this game, and I I would not recommend this game. I do not think it has aged in any way, shape, or form well. But I also can a hundred percent see that if this would have been on the Turbo Graphics and been one of these seven games I would have been able to play, I would probably have recommended this game <laughs> for this <laughs> podcast because it is. It is notable only in that it is kind of kind of bizarre in parts, and that it, if you did take the time, if the only game you have to play is this for a while and, and learn those boss fights, some of the boss fights were, were good. I mean, I actually recommend if, if you could just do, like if I could play, if this was a Flash game and it was just that last level, I would play that. Not, I wouldn't recommend it, I wouldn't think it's the best thing ever, but I would play it and I would think, what a neat concept. Just this boss rush of these interesting bosses that you go through, that would have been okay, but but the rest of the game in general has too many things that are huge minuses. I don't like the the, the snow level that much because uh, I hate the idea of, of the, the snow that drops you in and that you slide all over the place. I don't like that the knockback is inconsistent and crazy. Uh, I think the collision detection in, in a lot of this, especially for the regular fights, not the boss fights as much, but the regular fights is garbage. There are things yeah. like those guys with the microphones. I was getting hit by them, but they weren't hitting me with anything you could see. It was like I was just too close. I, I don't know if it's supposed to be that or if it was an accident, but there were, there were plenty of things that were like that, where I wasn't near them and I got hit, or I thought I hit them really well and it didn't hurt them at all. And one of the, I guess it's a gameplay mechanic, because it, without it, some of the bosses would be impossible. But if you hit a boss and they flash white, during that time, you can touch them, and you can run through them, and you can, you can dive mm-hmm. past them. They don't hurt you. But normally, if you touch any boss, it does a lot of damage to you. So there, especially the owl boss, you know, you'll, he does this thing where his head spins around, and then it shoots across the screen back and forth. And it's, it's in a place that you can't jump over it, and you can't duck under it, and there are other shots you're dodging anyway. 
But you can hit his head right before it hits you and right after it goes by, and it'll flash white, and you can run right through it. It doesn't hurt you. I am not a fan of that mechanic at all. I like when you get hit and you're invincible for a second while you take your damage, but I don't like the idea that I'm supposed to kind of figure out to kamikaze these guys, hit them as fast as I can and run through them, and then hit them as fast as I can and run through them. I am not a fan of that style of game at all. It doesn't help that, like you were talking about her, um, the hitbox on her. I mean, she's a very, your character's a very skinny, lanky girl. And for some reason, it seems like her hitbox goes out a good, like, foot each direction from her body. Because, and that's one thing that made those bosses so maddening was uh, it, it seemed like I was just getting hit when I w- it wasn't even touching me. Uh, and the rest of the enemies in the game were that same way. It, it just, it feels weird. I mean, when you're playing it, everything just feels off. And I, I never got, even though I, you know, I got decent at some of those bosses, I never felt confident that I was not going to get hit by something. Well, and, and it doesn't help that you're, you don't power up necessarily. I mean, even if you get the same, if you got the red power ball from those slug things over and over again, it's not like it makes your red shot more powerful. No, it just means you still have the red shot. Yeah. So at no point, you know, when you get to the boss rushes, when it's very clear, you're not stronger than you were when you fought them the first time. Hopefully you're better. But you're not any stronger, so it takes just as much to kill them. It's just as long of a fight. Uh, th- there's no way to speed this up, and I think that's that's another you know issue I have with this. If, if you know any shooter where you don't have the ability to either charge up your your guns or um, make your shot stronger somehow, even if it looks the same but it does more damage, there, but there's nothing in this. It's just here's what you have. You're the same exact ability at the start of the game as you do at the end of the game, um, and I don't know for this kind of game that seems that seems like a bad design choice. I think we've probably talked more about Kindle Rage than anyone else. You could has have beaten ever. this game four times while you were listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you were that good and had that kind of patience. So, really, no one would beat this game except for that speedrun guy uh, four times since the start of the podcast. Or you would just play it for three minutes and, and be like we were, and it's like, oh no, we, we shouldn't play <laughs> Kindle Rage anymore. <laughs> So that was Kendo Rage for the Super Nintendo, our second listener request. Uh, so our listener requests so far have been this game and Young Merlin, both of which games that I, I'm not angry that I played. Um, both were co- coincidentally on Super Nintendo. I don't think that has anything to do with it. But uh, I think going forward, we need some sort of quality control on these, uh, these listener requests. I love listener requests. Please send us more. But this way... You know, we'll all at least give it like a five-minute play and then decide if, if one of us really wants to do it, we'll go through with it. I think we still would have done these two games. You know, I, I think Young, Young Merlin was different enough from anything else we had done. Uh, and this game was, you know, from the first level at least, I probably was still thought, yeah, okay, we'll play this. Um, but this way we can, we can avoid, you know, I don't want to say we don't want to do any listener requests because I think they're probably the most fun reviews for me to do. Oh, uh, yeah. But I also don't want to review something like uh, Gotcha for the Nintendo. You know, not a terrible game, but a game with absolutely nothing to talk about. I, I don't want to get halfway through a review on a game and be like, man, we should have known a minute in. This isn't the kind of game you can talk about. So, you know, if you have more listener requests, please send them to us via Facebook or Twitter, uh, email, anything you want to do. Uh, we, we would love to get some more requests. Uh, but next week, we're going to actually stay on the Super Nintendo, but we're going to play a, a style of game we have not covered yet, a role-playing game, a formal role-playing game. We're going to cover Super Mario RPG. Not, not a lesser-known game, but one I've never actually played for more than five minutes, so I'm looking forward to putting some real time into that. Yeah, uh, this is a... I mean, I'll go ahead and, and say now, this is a, a long been a favorite of mine. I uh, haven't played through it uh, proper in, in quite a while, so uh, it's going to be interesting going back. Um, hopefully it's going to you know, live up to, 
to what I to what I recall, uh, which is it being a, an incredible game. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cleanse the old palate next time. And uh, Jer- I, Jeremy, I can safely confirm that Super Mario RPG is better than Kendo Rage. Well, that, the little bit I've played of it so far, uh, which means I turned it on, would also verify that it is better than Kendo Rage. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, knowing that it, it's the history of that game, and, and that Nintendo doesn't normally put out garbage or license their own name to garbage. There have been exceptions, but especially on their own system, you're, you're pretty sure to guarantee it's at least playable. Uh, but we do have a listener question for this week. Uh, Jeremy, what's our question? We do, and this kind of goes back into our excitement on the, uh, the last podcast about the mini NES that is coming out. Uh, we were all fairly excited about it coming out. You know, we're, we're probably all going to drop the 60 bucks at, you know, to buy it when it does uh, hit stores. But David R. Uh, writes in to ask, Hey guys, love the podcast, but your excitement over the mini NES on the last podcast has me wonder, wondering if you've all lost it. 60 bucks for a pl- plug-and-play console with zero ability to change out games seems like a really bad deal to me, especially when you have emulators on computers and phones that can play all of those games for free. Is it just me, or is uh, thinking that this isn't, or is it just me thinking that this isn't worth my time? I think that I love these these remade systems. You know, like I said, I bought the flashbacks for the Intellivision and the ColecoVision, and I'll probably get the Atari one next time because I'm a sucker and I like these things. I enjoy that I can plug it into my television and just play it on my couch. I don't have to play I mean, Playing a game on your phone is fine, I suppose, but uh, until they make a, a much, much better controller, that's not a viable option. I'm not playing with touchpad, you know, touchscreen through Super Mario Brothers. That's not going to make it enjoyable. And, and I don't want to have to hook up my old Nintendo uh, you know, through the, an old TV to be able to get a good experience on it and a good, a good picture. The fact that this is those good classic games, it's a great lineup and it's an HD output by itself is worth my money but but emulators on your computer while they're good i find you know even this game where I'm, i played this one on emulator because i'm not going to buy a cart for kendo rage and and there were sound glitches there's little little problems through the game that we should not see with the mini nes and, and especially with the game that you know kid icarus is on there that's my top one nintendo game of all time if i had to, to put all my other nintendo games in the trash and just keep one it would be kid icarus and if i had sound glitches in it while i was playing it i would lose my mind yeah, and I think I think that's a big part of it. You know, emulation, even for something nowadays, which is as simple as the NES. Yeah, I mean, there's still spots uh, when I when I'm playing that I, I I hear the sound drop or you know the animation's a little off, um, you know. Uh, but the fact that this is it's it's so small, it's compact, and you know what I'm going to do uh, one night a week, you know I have to stay overnight at my work. I'm taking this thing with me. I'm plugging it in there. I go out of town. I'm taking this thing with me. I'm plugging it into the TV at the hotel. You know, the fact that it's just, it's a compact system with that HDMI, you know, I mean, and yeah, you can run an emulator, you know, if you want to hook your computer up to the television, that's fine. But it sounded like a hassle really at that point. Uh, it's nice just to have something dedicated uh, with the, the HDMI hookup and, and the lineup. Uh, the lineup is, is pretty amazing. I'm still... Very surprised at the games on there. I figured it would just be every single, you know, just Nintendo first party title. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's uh, well worth the purchase. I believe, even if you have the emulators at home. I mean, for me, I, I I'm still excited for it. You know, if it had a cartridge cartridge slot on it, I mean, that would be perfect. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the 
the the official Sega Genesis plug and play console is coming out pr- here pretty soon. And that one actually not only has um, I think it's 80 games, but I, I really think only like 30 of them are actual Genesis games and not just shit shovelware games. Um, but it does actually have a cartridge. Sl- I can't say those two words together. <laughs> cartridge <laughs> slot on top of it to where you can plug in um, whatever Genesis games you own and play those uh, if you don't like the built-in games. I, I think that's great, and I, I wish the mini NES had something like that. Um, but it doesn't. Um, it, it, you just kind of have to take it for what it is, and f- with for what I'm concerned, it's a great deal. You know, I would buy that probably for you know, 70, 80 bucks. That sounds crazy, but I, I would probably still buy it. Uh, just to have the convenience of a tiny NES and, and 30 games that I genuinely love. Uh, you know, some people may argue, well, you know, what's uh, are any of these games worth even two dollars at this point? You know, is a Nintendo game worth money at this point with so many other places to play it? I think, you know, if, if you if you find still and find enjoyment out of something, I, you know, two bucks ain't bad. And 30 of those games that, that I love, I don't mind paying for it. Well, and if you did like those games, if, they're not targeting, you know, eight-year-olds with this box. An eight-year-old will probably not find any of these games, except for Super Mario Brothers, really worth their time, um, which they're wrong. But I can understand without the being a little older and playing play these games when they were new or at least knowing of those games, you probably will not care about this box. But for people that are already buying them, if you're buying them on the virtual console, you're paying five bucks a game. So to get 30 games, of which even if you only want 20... You know, 20 games at 5 bucks a piece is $100, and you'd have to buy them for both the 3DS and the Nintendo, or the Wii or Wii U if you want them on both your TV and a portable. This is one thing you can take anywhere you want to go. It has those games. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it still. But the other thing is that I, I want, I'm going to buy it to, to show Nintendo, yes, this is what we want. Yeah, I do want new things from you, and I do want you to put out some, some quality games. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying my Wii U. I'm the last one who does, but I love it. Uh, but I would I would gladly buy this if it means that you're also going to put out a portable Super Nintendo or you want to put out a like a Game Boy that has you know, 30 original Game Boy games. I would buy all of those things. You know, I will say if we get this and the emulation on these games are just like shit for some reason, I will probably have a different opinion. <laughs> but if you, if it comes out and these are really well emulated games, uh, you know, basically what they have on Virtual Console, that would be fine. I you know I want these games to be able to play exactly the way I remember them. And, I mean, obviously you're never going to get that with you know, 100% with emulation. But if you could just be close enough, I'll I be think, happy. I think this is going to be the best one of these setups. I mean, like I said, I have the Intellivision one, and the reason that one's amazing is because it has replica controllers of the Intellivision. Because you can play it on your computer, but you don't have a touchpad. You don't have that disc. And love it or hate it, it makes the game. It makes the experience to have those controllers. Same with the ColecoVision. Mm. So, you know, the fact that this is actually, it's not just, oh yeah, Nintendo authorized it and it's going out by at games like all those other ones are, including the Genesis one, by the way, is not officially a Sega product. Um, this is Nintendo. They've, they've talked about it early. They, they announced it. They're very excited about it. I can't imagine this is going to come out and be garbage. But I guess we'll find out because I think yeah. we're all going to get one. Yeah, I think, I think, they're, I think this is really going to be a, a polished product that's coming out. Uh, they're going to be pl- putting out plenty of garbage next year. But, <laughs> yeah, this one, I, I have no worries about this. To answer your question, David, I mean, you don't have to be excited for it. I mean, if, it, if emulators work for people and you're totally happy with that. Oh, yeah. Go for it. You know, I'm, we're not trying to make anybody buy a mini NES at all. Um, but for, for us here in, in this room, um, I, I would definitely say that I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think the price is fine. 
Um, again, it sucks. It doesn't have a cartridge slot. God damn it. Cartridge <laughs> slot. But, uh, it, you know, it, it is what it is, and and uh, yeah, I, I really, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, hopefully, you're also looking forward to our next episode. In two weeks, we'll be covering Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo, a classic, guaranteed uh, by many people that have, have played it. So I'm sure it will be better than this review, uh, as far as if we enjoy it or not. Uh, but until then, please remember to check us out on Retrovania.net. Constant articles going up. Uh, join us on on Facebook and on Twitter at Retrovaniacs, and we'll see you next time. 